Raph was actually working this Saturday, calling the ultimate Matt Warriors. But before we get to that, Uriah Hall was doing Uriah Hall things with that guy that beat the hell out of Gary Tonin, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, show that proves fighting way easier from outside of the cage. No one breaks your nose. You don't start bleeding everywhere. I am your host, Kevin, with me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, how are you doing? Pretty well. Uh, got to be on the call this weekend over at Ultimate Matt Warriors, which was a blast. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but you know, I did get a text, though, from ESPN app that made me have a break in the commentary. And I didn't necessarily want to announce it on air, but it was a text that told me the end result to the Justin Gagey and Donald Cerrone match. Yeah, Justin Gagey hit him in the temple after he had wobbled him. And I have a theory about this that's going to be controversial, so put your hot take seatbelt on. Donald Cerrone did something that makes me nervous. He came into the fight super tan. I don't know how focused you can get if you're getting a lot of vitamin D. Justin Gagey came in not tan. He came in honestly looking like he had been training up in Alaska. And I will say these fights were in Vancouver. So Donald Cerrone really stood out. I just don't, I don't think it's a good idea to come into a fight with too much beach time. Is that something the commentators remarked on? Or is this just your Kevin Phillips line of expertise? I could really tell Daniel Cormier was thinking it. He didn't (laughs) articulate it in so many words, but really hinted at it as an innuendo. No, the call pretty much caught everyone by shock. I think they thought the fight was definitely going to go a few rounds and all of a sudden it didn't. It just, it was really three or four shots, but Gaithy gets in this, he's this uppercut Mm -hmm. that he stunned Cerrone with a few times and that Cormier did call out so I guess he was mostly paying attention though he you know kind of missed the tan thing there was a clear few good rips into the chin and Cerrone's super difficult to tell if he's stunned or having a good time you know he's really cultivated that fight <laughs> face it's like most people have that face for paying they're listening to someone they're not they just have that face that makes it look like they're listening he has that for getting punched in the face by high-level professionals. Okay. Uh, I have it playing right now. I, it's just at the moment Bruce had brought over for uh, the ref to kind of give his spiel. But the thing that already strikes me is Cerrone's already smiling as they go to bump hands. Afterwards, I would see the uh, post-fight interview. I did see that where they kind of looked at each other like, oh, man, I'm so sad I had to fight you, but you're cool. It was a very great uh, sign of sportsmanship, which, if you're making a theme for today's show, may be the word of the show today. Uh, Sportsmanship, yeah, we're going to get the whole whole cornucoba. We're going to tennis all the way to the other side. Before that, though, Mm. they were doing something weird with each of these fights, it felt like. Where they let the one who, the, whoever, they just let both fighters talk together. Like At yeah. one point, Cerrone's just like, I'll talk about him. Uriah Hall gave a speech that, I don't know if he thinks that Carlos Jr. is like new to the fight game and needed a pep talk. It's like, my guy, he has just a few fewer fights than you do. He has 15, you have 25. Like It's not like you, he doesn't, he'll be back, he's fine, he almost beat you. It was a split decision, so it was a super funny night of, let me just talk directly to you for no specific reason. Is this what happens when Joe Rogan isn't there to kind Maybe. of hold court? Maybe. I have no idea. I don't think Daniel Cormier, it's not like Cormier was like, we're going to try something new. We want to bring everybody together and have a group panel. It, well, do you also feel it's reflective of like, I kind of put it akin to when you comment on someone else's parenting style and you're like, whoa, um... You know, I'm not one to talk. I don't have kids. But, whoa, Daniel Cormier really let these kids just walk all over him. you got to instill some rules and some values or these fighters are just going to walk all over you, DC. You need to be – 
I will take this microphone away <laughs> if you do not adhere to my protocol. It's a one-on-one interview. But the thing that, like, and really... Cerrone and, yeah, just, they love each other. They said yeah. it a few times. It was like, I don't want to fight this dude. That's why Justin gave these. So you're going to see it. But he stops at one point and looks at the ref like, you can make me keep punching him. All right. I mean, I will keep punching him, but I do not want to do it. <laughs> and gets a little well, testy about it. You know, I again, because I was on the call at the time, I was so tempted to go out and watch it. But the way that I got the text just bummed me out. And when you see the result and you're busy commentating, it's very rare that something bums me out that much where I say, oh, I don't want to see it. You know, everything else is me going like, oh, I better see how that is so that I can be educated and I can watch it. And I just maybe saw a clip of it going through Instagram later that night. And even then I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what it looks like. I'm pretty sure I know what I'm expecting to see here. I also will say that there's one uh, comment that I saw on Twitter that made me laugh that said, Justin Gagey is maybe the worst at defense in all of MMA and I'm okay with it. Like, and he's just fine as he does his thing. And it turns out he's going to be okay whenever he has that worst defense ever. Uh, these uppercuts keep landing though. Oh, <laughs> with Justin Gagey. It's fun to watch, dude. Now the end result of this is obviously, yes, I love the post fight between the two. Couldn't be uh, more sportsmanlike, but even then, the real question for everybody was, does Justin Gagey deserve the Conor McGregor lottery, Kevin? He said he didn't want it. That fool's retired. He also cussed so profusely, they had to blop out like 20 seconds of the entire ESPN broadcast. And ESPN loves that, by the way. Well, love, yes. Love the continuing having to be hot mic on the beep. But I do I think this is going to elevate him just because of the way he's won, and he had some underdog status. I wish I had put money on him. I thought about it on Friday. Did you not? Oh, shit. I meant shit. to get on my bookie and do oh. Hit oh. tremendous odds. But there was also part of me that's like, can you bet against Cowboy Cerrone? And that part of me was like, mm. And the other part of me said, yeah, you dipshit. And I was going to and then just forgot. So Okay. Um is your bad? I also blame myself on this one. Not a ton, but enough. And the reason why I do blame myself is because of this, Kev. There was apparently seven to one odds uh, that would have given you a nice return if you had even just put $5 down. And I saw this article and I screenshot it. And normally, you know, I wait for a good time to send you if I've sent you screenshots or stuff like that where I'm like, oh, hey, check this out. That was one where I go, oh, yeah, I never sent that to you. Oops. It's okay. Because I, I mean, felt hey, like we should talk about that. And then I fault. was like, yeah. My fault. I, I knew it. I saw I was ready for my bookie. I even had a number in mind that was way too much money. I uh, would have paid for some nice dinner. So let's keep moving. Well, how far? What moment in the fight? I just saw it. The, okay. The finish to it. And it drops him hard. It's devastating. You're right about the look at the ref. You're right about just the oddness of it. Um, the thing that destroys me is that look like it's akin to, you know, the last scene or so in Saving Private Ryan when Tom Hanks is about to die. Any scene in Saving Private Ryan. (laughs) And he pulls out this, like, gun to shoot at a tank (laughs) as he's about to die. That's what it looked like when Cerrone was down on one knee and looks up at Gagey and is just kind of like, this is my fate, but, man, I'm going to try and punch you. And Gagey's looking at the ref like, please don't make me do it. This is my hero. I love this guy. And uh, there's a little bit of stomach uneasiness on on all of that. <laughs> well, Justin Gagey himself, for as much as he was saying he doesn't want Connor, it seems there's a lot of inconsistency for a lot of these guys in terms of who they want and how they want it. Khabib afterwards, and you know, we left it pretty simple where it was him being like, I don't want Connor, I want Tony. You make it Tony. And he's odd and eccentric manager 
was like, well, we don't know if Tony deserves it. It's whatever Khabib wants. And Khabib's really looking at GSP right now. And GSP had just got done saying, like, I mean, would have been nice. But, you know, it's just not going to happen. The UFC wants to protect him. And meanwhile, we have people online who on our sites are like, I want to see that fight. And I'm like, I just I, I got to tell you guys, as much as it sounds like a fun exhibition and a fun exploration for us to see, GSP is so past doing this. And granted, he's a freak athlete and he could. I just don't feel like we're seeing peak GSP versus peak Khabib. We're seeing eh, I'm kind of into it, GSP, and it'd be fun. Uh, you know, I'm retired GSP essentially versus a very dominant right now Khabib. I don't know that I have a ton of questions about that. But Ali was saying in interviews, he was like, well, we'll have to see Khabib. It's whatever Khabib wants. And I was like, your client literally just said, give me Tony Ferguson. There should be no more questions about this. This is being used as a rectify the record come in and tell you, yeah, no, 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 no. What he really wants is, and it's like, oh, he already told us what he really wants. He literally spice grilled us and told us what he really, really wants. And yet you're trying to bamboozle us so that you can maybe have some more negotiating chips at the table. With this one, indeed, with Gagey saying like, I don't know, man, Connor's retired. And then going the other way and saying like, I mean, I'd beat the shit out of him if you put him in front of me. And yeah, he wants to fight a current fighter, but that would be a money fight. And I have to say, in the same vein of we don't know where GSP is, I mean, what's Connor look like right now? Somewhere he's trying to get a bus to a probation <laughs> hearing. And he's no, he's probably taking a Lamborghini uh, near a pool somewhere, maybe a hot tub. It's club night. It's Monday in Dublin. I don't have enough time to answer where the hell Connor is right now, but specifically the next next fight's got to be someone. I mean, maybe is Connor. I don't know. Now you got to be all worried. It's like, is he even fighting shape? Has he been hitting the buffet? What's his deal? But it does seem like there's plenty of people to fight right now. And that might be, I mean, for Khabib, he can fight whoever, but at least Justin Gailey has a shot. And there's some stacked fighters right now. There's a Pettis. Who's coming off some things, you know, give him, I say, give him one more level before we worry about throwing him in the people that have been in altercations outside of the ring category. Mm. Well, he is currently, uh, and this is Gagey, number four in the lightweight rankings. So it would be interesting to see. And the losses for Gagey were Dustin Poirier, which was in round four. And, um, you know, maybe we see that one. And the other loss was to Eddie Alvarez. But I even want to say somebody put this up and I forget who it was. Maybe it was Eddie Alvarez himself who was like, yo, I don't care for my money. Uh, Justin Gagey is the most exciting lightweight to watch right now. And with some of these results, I don't necessarily disagree with him. Yeah, I was going to say he's not wrong. He is really fun to watch. He does with stuff. three first round finishes in a row in a UFC career that also, I mean, has a very nice sort of exclamation mark with Dustin Poirier as well. Uh, you know, I mean, the man has a good record that if he does get the Conor McGregor sweepstakes, you know, I think that would elevate his star status to maybe give him what he needs to get back in that lightweight uh, title contention run. Um, so I don't know the food for thought, my friends, but Jesus Christ, Kev, does it still looks terrible to, to talk about, but I do want to bring this up. Okay. So I just watched the full fight, right? While we were on air. Can I tell you that I tried to give boxing the benefit of the doubt? People love the Tyson Fury. How much would you say that you are invested in Tyler Fury as a fighter? Zero. Zero. Okay. Well, he's got some heat right now. I think people enjoy watching him fight. He's a bit of a character. And I was doing some dishes. And I, the next day, when I was catching up with all my homework, Kev, I looked at my ESPN app and it said, 
hey, Raph, would you like to see Tyson Fury versus Otto Whalen? Which I was like, Otto Whalen is a stupid name. But tell me more, ESPN+. Plus. And so he goes, don't worry. We'll show you just the main event. And I was like, whoa, dope. Thank you, ESPN+. Plus. Just like how I just watched Cowboy versus Gagey on it. It's supposed to cut all the fat and get you straight there. This broadcast, Kev, and it was just the main event for their boxing fight. The main event of a boxing fight. When I looked at how long the, the telecast is, Justin Gagey's main event was 13 minutes. And I go, oh, cool. I know it's a quick fight, but that's with introductions. And they're already in the cage. Brilliant. The Tyson Fury Otto Weiland. And I'm, I'm going to be very honest and I'm going to look it up right now just to make sure I'm not going crazy. But it was like an hour 43 minutes <sighs> on the clock. And I go, what? Why? Kev, the fight on the hour. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Hour 49 is what the clock reads on here. The fight does not even start on this thing until I want to say at least the 35 minute mark. Jesus, what is because boxing? they just have so much stuff to announce. Well, what they do, and I love the build of the characters. I understand the element of taking your time, and especially with somebody with this big of a personality. Tyson Fury, for those wondering, is somebody who shows up to uh, the weigh-ins with a luchador mask. And he walks out, and there's an elaborate um, ode to Mexico where they've got uh, a very nice woman singing a love ballad, and uh, he's being escorted and carried on out. Like, totally get the showmanship of it. However, at the 35-minute mark, can we, like, you know, if this is really ESPN Plus and what we do for Justin Gagey and, you know, Cowboy, Cerrone, you know, trim the fat. Just take me to the fight. Boxing has more rounds. I get it. But instead, for those 35 minutes, Kev, it's all about, well, you know, guys, here's the panel at the desk. And we're going to spend 10 minutes talking about him and his narrative. Let's cut to some pre-roll. Let's cut to another pre-roll of the pre-roll. Let's now talk a little bit of strategy. What do you think about his left hook? I think his left hook is good. Let's talk about his right hook. His right hook's okay. It's not as good as his left hook. Mm, okay. What do you think about his ability to take shots? And I'm like, okay, no, I, I get it, guys. I'll just watch the fight. Well, I'm glad you at least tuned in so mm -hmm. you're aware of boxing's presence in the world. Because I have, I, since the was, NFL started, fully ignored it. It's not even there. Not going to lie, Kev. I literally did it because did I said, it? Um, it's no. interesting. It wasn't, I mean, it was a, it's fun. Uh, and it's the fun kind of fight that you can watch while you're cleaning the house. Here's the reason why. You hit it right on the head, which was I just said, yeah, I haven't seen what's up with you guys. Let's see what's going on. Let's. It was me going, hey, boxing, what you up to? You went to visit your high school friends. You yeah. just went to have a good, like, <laughs> just check in and see what's going on. <laughs> and then, as I'm watching it, I'm getting progressively angrier. And because I've pot committed to cleaning up and doing chores around the house, I just can't press the buttons as frequently to forward as I'm washing dishes. And I go, oh, I'm pot committed. No. Start, please start. And then once it started, you know, Tyson Fury endured a lot. And uh, it's always interesting to see how people can come back from that. But he did come back for a victory. Uh, long match. But damn, dude, I mean, impressive for him. And afterwards, um, engaging personality. And then I just couldn't help but think, like, I mean, we got it kind of nice. In UFC. It's kind of five, five-minute rounds. We're good. And even fewer, because I want to talk about a few additional fights from this. Well, we can. I just want to bring up one thing. Uh, it's another reason why I wanted to actually bring it up on the show, because we always have a certain kind of insight into the production value on this show that maybe other shows don't really do. But you know what was interesting about watching this boxing match that made me laugh my ass off midway through? Is that they have a team of reporters that, you know, you've got your main commentary guys on the mic for the, for the fight. But then they have reporters that they go, 
hey, what did you find out about this? And they're like, man, I'm trying really hard to get more information. And they give assignments on there. They're like, why don't you go over there and get me that information and come back on the broadcast? And they're like, okay, boss, I'll go do it. So when they said that, they sent one of their guys to go over to talk to Tyson Fury's coach. Now, this isn't in between rounds. This is while the fight's still going. And they put a live camera of the analyst going over to interview Fury's coach. And as the fight's going, goes, what can you tell me about what you guys just said two seconds ago? And he's like, uh, I said, don't do this, do this. And he's like, yeah, but what do you think about what's going on in the fight right now? And Tyson Fury's coach is looking at this reporter like, dude, any other time you want to chat? Because right now I'm in the middle of something, kind of a look, and it made me laugh so fucking hard. Because I thought, could you imagine anybody at MMA being cornered? Like, could you imagine if Danaher was coaching GSP and someone went over to him mid-match and or goes, Elliot Marshall is Yo. sitting there, and you're like, hey, hey, Fire Marshall, hey, hey, big fan, just want to ask you a question hey, while Dover's getting really rocked. I'm in the middle of yelling like Samuel L. Jackson at this one dude in the cage, so you can you find any other fucking time? He dude? might not even hear you, but he's definitely <laughs> yelling at you to get the fuck out of his face. It's going to be aggressive. And I laughed profusely at the whole scenario of it. It was, I think, the thing that redeemed the whole hour and uh, I want to say 40 minutes that I was on my television, Kev. But by the way, and you mentioned Elliot Marshall, congratulations to him for getting one of the last minute invites to ADCC. Oh, he's going to be there? So what happened was, love I think him. there was. It's almost like he's just around. super fun at the bar, you know? <laughs> well, here's what I can tell you about how it went down and why it's a little meaningful to us here. Kev is. Of course, located out in Colorado. You're familiar with him. Uh, he's one of the most friendly, intense, but lovable coaches there is out there, period. And we hear him on the UFC telecast. We see him at grappling matches yelling at John Combs a number of times. But one of the things he told me on a grappling hour interview, Kev, that really kind of broke my heart was I had messaged or, we, you know, Kelly or not Kelly, Gary had told me. Something to the extent of, hey, man, I don't think I might be able to do ADCC. And I was discussing that very thought with Elliot Marshall, especially as somebody who has experience in MMA and in grappling. And Elliot had kind of told me on the show, he's like, hey, man, you know, the one thing that eluded me was going to ADCC. And I think I've come to terms with it. He's like, I'm 40. He's like, so. Oh, shit. He's never been. No. I'm just imagining him in ADCC. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I think he's trials. I'm mixing up. I don't know. Well, that's funny. He's definitely done trials. I would have bet money. He's been. So that's. So this is also like a a notch on his grappling belt. Yeah. And grappling wish list. When he. uh, And this is the weird part about it. It was. He told the story about how the ADCC trials from hell that happened earlier this year, he was like, dude, I just got in my head and I couldn't get back into the game. And he was mentioning how the sacrifice he did was he couldn't help but think like, why am I here when it was being run so shittily? And he was the one describing it. He's like, dude, it was a shit show. And I kept thinking like, you know, this is normally a day I take my kids somewhere and I didn't take them. And I felt like the most selfish asshole in the world. And he was very honest, very real. But what ended up happening was Tex Johnson, who was supposed to compete at the 99 plus category at ADCC, um, he switched. He went to just 99. And... He was saying, it was like, the only thing that eluded me was ADCC. Well, now I have the opportunity to compete there as well. And so because of the ship down, there was an open slot. And uh, they asked him, and now he gets to do it. <laughs> Amazing. That's pretty cool. We'll be yeah. in his corner. That's a fun category. The 99-plus yes. crew has some fun fights. Well, them, think about it like this. Uh, sweaty. 
the article uh, points out that competitors in the 99 plus include Buchecha, Orlando Sanchez, Yao yep. Rocha, Yuri Samoas, and Kenyon Duarte. So, uh, you know, adding his name in there, definitely you start to think like, man, any of him matching up with any of them is already kind of fun on paper. So I wish him all the best. And I love the fact that we get this great story of a human being who thought that they had to Viking funeral their ADCC chances and who is an amazing competitor in their own right and now gets to do it. So he's been uh, categorizing part of his journey on his social media. So like, you know, today, the Monday after the news was released, there was footage of him, you know, in his gyms, both at home and at, uh, you know, he was visiting California. So he was at uh, Costa Mesa's 10th planet being like, Hey guys, getting ready for ADCC, and I'm like, dude, imagine that call, Kev, being like, you're in ADCC. When? <laughs> like, um, you know, like a week. It's in 20 minutes, basically. Do you have? Do you, are you dressed? 99 plus. Yep. So that's gonna be fun. Um, but Kev, what other fights did you want to talk about from uh, the UFC? Still? Yeah, I'm gonna do this in order of coolest finish. <laughs> okay. Kirkinov, Peruvian necktied Crute. Crute mm-hmm. was, in in my opinion, winning that fight. Kirkinov was hell bent on submitting him. Did it with the Perubes neckties. Unbelievable. That's my favorite. That should have been an ESPN alert. And that finish <laughs> is brought to you by North South Jiu Jitsu. You can find their gear protecting tights of the best. All of the privates of the greatest fighters protected and shielded by North South because that's who they trust. That's who we trust. Head on over to NorthSouthJiuJitsu.com. Uh, can, can you tell me a little bit about the Glover Texera fight? No, don't remember oh. it. Yes, I can. Pretty fun fight. Glover Texera <laughs> was really in a I'm going to grapple this guy situation. Got some good shots in. They're sadly like the most forgettable of the fights. Tixera looked good. He just looked old. Luckily, Krylov's old. So that's helpful. The other question I had that I guess is kind of related to ADCC in this whole melee, Kev. Tixera looked like he was getting ready for ADCC. Actually, now that you mention it. That's how he fought. Well, you talked a little bit about Uriah Hall and Antonio yeah. Carlos Jr. Isn't Shoeface supposed to be an ADCC in a also week? Also like- working really hard. This was a split decision because he anytime. Okay. If they were standing, he was getting punched. If they were against the cage or on the ground, he was on Uriah Hall's back. That's how this fight went. Mm. Tough to call, except, you know, those there. We've always talked about this. There should be a category where you just have to remember who won the fight. Like, I love grappling as much as anybody. If I just had someone who was on my back for five to seven minutes and didn't successfully submit me. Versus if I had someone that punched me between 30 and 50 significant times to the point where I'm bleeding profusely over everyone, I would prefer someone was on my back for 10 to 12 minutes. That is not the same. I they It was a split decision. Uriah Hall won this fight. Just busted him up every chance. they st- Every time. Last fight. Well, okay. Duffy versus Hughes is a weird one. It ends up getting called because of a poke and a cut. That's a, and this is also the name of a cool porn title, <laughs> a poke and a cut. This is the fight that I still can't wrap my head around is what the hell is going on with Pereira, who did something I've never seen before. And I hope his next opponent winds up and just kicks the shit out of him after he does this. He was backflipping during the fight. At one point, thank you. Okay, backflips over Connolly's legs and just lands like center mass. And there's a reason you backflip over someone. Typically, it's not just to land the dismount and be like, "Did it?" <laughs> if you're in a fight, it's to continue to hit them in a surprise angle or attack. Not Pereira. Pereira's like, "I'm going to do a backflip." Holy shit! I'm on his ribs. And that was his his big 
claim to fame. It was unbelievable watching him jump over him, around him, not really hit him, and then kind of lose the fight because of it. There was a great meme that we saw from, I want to say, is this? I want to make sure I get this right because um, I don't want to say we started it, but we definitely put them up when they had like 7,000 views. <laughs> and the thing <laughs> that made me laugh was the timing couldn't be any better. But this is from Fightbook MMA. And it said, when you don't know the control, so you start pressing all the buttons, a.k.a. Oh, in a video game. I saw that. It's genius. It looks exactly like that. When you start fighting <laughs> in Mortal Kombat, it's like, why am I flipping? Why am I flipping? Hit. <laughs> Hit. Uh, the reason why it's uh, beautifully timed on our end is for Grappling Hour, we are debuting a new segment that we're very excited to talk about. Um, but... I got this old school video game console and we're talking, it's like a tabletop that has two arcade joysticks and buttons, just like you would when you used to go to play street fighter or any of the major fighting games. It comes preloaded with 1500 games. We actually got two participants to come in and play it. And wouldn't you know it, they came to play it before they had a super fight at ultimate Matt warriors. So these guys couldn't have been more uh, amazing about it. There was a true element of sportsmanship before and after uh, their match. But I will say the video games played very, very much into how their match went and what happened. So I think you guys will be entertained by it. Uh, but the participants were J.J. Wilson, Bellator's J.J. Wilson, who also trains, I believe, with Alliance down in San Diego and who will be fighting on the upcoming Bellator uh, card October 4th. So look for that. Versus Ronnie LaBella, San Diego's very own. A gentleman who trains with the good folks down that way. One of the freak bros. One of the kids who does not sleep. So they couldn't have been more entertaining. We hit the jackpot on there. And I got to say, Kev, some of the guys were asking me to play with them on the, the arcade game thing. And when I saw this, when you don't know the controls, so you start pressing the buttons, I was like, oh, man, that's me right now. I don't remember half of this shit. <laughs> I'm trying to recall combinations of what you're supposed to do from 23 years ago. And I go, is this still how it works? Did you guys change how up, up, down, down? No? Uh-oh. <laughs> left, I, right, left, right? Do I hit them at the same time? Does that help? I know there's a sonic boom, but I don't know how. Do I hit it more? Right. I do I ask it politely to just do it and then it does it? Uh, so anyway, uh, that was a genius meme. Very, very pleased. Um, was that the best of the rest, Kev? Did we have any more on that? I am out of fights to talk about. I watched the whole main card. Sorry to the 95 fights that also took place. I was unable to get to them. Fair enough. Um, let's also talk about a couple things. This is kind of breaking news. Um, but there's been like 15 Gordon Ryan announcements of who he's going to fight. I'll tell you who it, I'm including, most excited it's, about. It started with who he cornered. Mm. He wrote a Keenan post. There, obviously, they've got the feels. I mean, I get it. Mm. And he wrote a Keenan post. So he was in his corner coaching him to gold at IBJJF pants. No gee? Yep. Go ahead. Well, um... Here's some other news, though. Um, you said me he's fighting Paul Harris, isn't he? He is fighting Paul <laughs> Harris at the upcoming World Jiu-Jitsu Festival, and that's October 6th. So let's start looking at a schedule. On October October 6th-ish, I think, he does that. The week before is ADCC. Uh, later that month, I believe, he's at uh, King of the Mats or one of those promotions. Uh, or is it Ohio one? I don't really know. Then I think we go into at some point, and I don't know the timeline here. You guys can correct me later. But today it was announced that he's got Hadolfo next on the list at Third Coast Grappling, which I believe is happening late October. MMA star Hadolfo mm -hmm. Vieira. And the weird part about this is there's so many Gordon Ryan announcements that Submission Underground, Chill's organization, decided they were also going to release who he's facing on their organization today. 
And I got to tell you, there were two different extremes that I had. The first was them going Gordon versus Adolfo. And I was like, whoa, that's dope. And they go, and then at Submission Underground, Gordon Ryan versus Gabriel Gonzaga. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Raph, are you excited for that one? Mm-mm. The Adolfo thing really, really did it for me. I'll tell you that. And even on the undercard to Submission Underground, when they go Dean Lister versus Craig Jones. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's a weird element of, I haven't seen Dean compete all that much. And yeah, sure. I wonder who is better at leg locking. But like, wouldn't you just say at the time, just because of how much he has been competing right now, that Craig Jones might be the guy. And yet, maybe the size disparity might be a problem. And yeah, Dean's an OG. So yeah, all those things and more. But uh, uh, I would have liked to see that match. Even a year and a half earlier would have been cool. Watching it now is like, I don't know what that's going to look like. But all right. I at least am more favorable to that than being like, what can you tell me about Gabriel Gonzaga's grappling, Kevin? Not a ton. Yeah, okay. And we're just going to expect that guy is going to put up a fight to Gordon Ryan's grappling. So for your main event, having a little bit of uncertainty of going, I mean, I guess. Okay, I guess we'll see it if it's around. So cool. So yeah, th- those are the Gordon Ryan things. There's also something that I think is very interesting to announce, Kev. It was announced because we did talk about why Khabib was paid $6 million. I don't know that we talked about this last week, but it was announced that Khabib's UFC 242 title win pulled in roughly 26 million views in Russia. Damn. That's a lot of views. Begs the question, though, were they allowed to watch anything else? No. Absolutely not. It was playing on all of the channels. The state purchased it for them. Because here we have something that's called a share, which means out of all the available TVs, they give you a percentage of how many people tune in. I think in Russia they said it was something equivalent to like one in four TVs was watching that. And it begged the question, were the other four not told they were going to be killed if they didn't watch that match. But it does make that $6 million figure a little bit easier to understand. And they're projecting high on the pay-per-views. I still want to see that. But that $20 million million plus definitely does make the argument that, yes, Khabib probably can be justified as a global superstar based off of that region. Um, But before, I remember just being like, six mil. What kind of Saudi money is paying for that? And we found out. So there was that information. And I think the other one that I wanted to talk about before we transition to Ultimate Matt Warriors is the breaking news here is the UFC is attempting to trademark terms bad or BMF and baddest motherfucker, Kev. It's a bullshit thing to do. This is LeBron James tries to patent Taco Tuesday. Just because you have the lawyer doesn't mean you should be able to do it. Just for the same amount of bullshit. Okay, UFC. How do I have to be the person that brings this up? Maybe just. (laughs) Okay, at the PR table, what's more important? Trademarking bad motherfucker, which how does Quentin Tarantino not get a piece of that? There's just so many different. Maybe set up a legal defense fund for people who have either been subject to your fighter's victimology, a.k.a. John Jones. Whatever that is, maybe reaching out for people like, hey, what a time to help someone who's going through a weird housing eviction. You, anything other than wasting money trying to patent bullshit. Taco Tuesday, LeBron. Damn it. Like, let us. Do the people not get anything? Like, they're just going to take words next. It's like we've trademarked podcast. That belongs to Malcolm Gladwell now. The rest of you will have to use something else. Got to tell you, though, large grin on my face when they slammed down Taco the Tuesday. the well, that one, too. But the the and the Ohio State that was that trying to be trademarked. Yeah. I 
could not have had a bigger smile on my face because part of me goes, oh, yeah, I remembered reading that. And I didn't look it up any further. So it wasn't like I was waiting with bated breath. I just said, yeah, let's just wait for them to strike that down. But the amount of glee it must encourage for people to go, you didn't you didn't give us the how are we supposed to be a douchebag school without the Ohio State? It's like we're just a. A Ohio State. Ugh. I guess Ugh. we'll have to keep faking it. <laughs> That'll be fine. So I laughed pretty hard. However, close second, though, was LeBron going, hey, you know, guys, this Taco Tuesday thing, that's a Taco thing. Go Tuesday. And I'm even thinking to myself, like, crushes it. Bro. I, I, mean, I love the videos. I'm in. Mean, his tacos look amazing. Yeah, I don't have any issue with him wanting to celebrate it. In fact, when I would see him uh, put it together and, uh, you know, get out there and say, like, hey, guys, we're celebrating Taco Tuesday. I go, I was like, you know, dude, I don't always like you, but good for you, man. Go enjoy yourself. And then it goes, LeBron wants to trademark Taco Tuesday. You sit the fuck down, LeBron. It's like, what? Can you know we what not that just, is, Kev? I thought we just were having a moment. Were we not just having a fun, you love tacos, I love tacos, we're all normal thing? I guess not. But you know what it really comes down to for me, and I think you alluded to this, which is at a certain point, don't we just give you too much money? Like, isn't that the clearest indication? Like, yeah, you've got way too much money that you can just burn some to just for shits and giggles. See if you can go ahead and coin Taco Tuesday. That's too much. As a thing. That is a lot of, you know, that's a lot of money. It's just not something the average person thinks about doing. Yeah. And it's definitely not something your dad calls you up and goes, son. I think I'm going to take the life savings and see if we can trademark Taco Tuesday. Bad idea, Dad. We don't have we don't have LeBron James money. Uh, son, I'm trying to trademark. If it was up your butt, you'd know. Uh, I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, I feel like I'm the only one that says that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of her family legacy here. You know, it'd be great, though, if you did have <laughs> LeBron <laughs> in a court document saying, like, I'm trying to feed my kids here, man. This is about this isn't about legacy. It's about making sure my kids have enough to eat in the future. And it's like, yo, I'm pretty sure in your petty change drawer, your kids have enough to eat for a lifetime in that drawer. The movie Rookie of the Year should patent the phrase "funky butt loving." <laughs> Still, to this day, there are a lot of things and phrases that I can kind of make sense for even kids' movies. But that phrase into itself <laughs> is still one that I go, what? And how did that become a thing? Because we all know it from that movie. It's amazing. I want to sit down with that writer and be like, you want to talk about Rookie of the Year? Kind of. I just want to talk about <laughs> one. I want to talk about two things. <laughs> the character from the guy that you got from Home Alone. Sure. And... <laughs> This one genius moment in comedy. If somebody wants to do a podcast, a behind-the-scenes podcast of just that one sentence, I will listen to the full two hours of the story behind it. Like, this guy may have a whole process that he did to make that script happen. I'd be like, nope, don't care. You put the Citizen Kane of throwing arm movies for children, but... <laughs> I really need you to tell me more about funky butt loving, my friend, because <laughs> in what world did you come up with that and think like, yeah, I need to get around some of these sensors and you kind of want to be edgy and you kind of want to make it seem like it's a fun phrase that kids would say. But if you really think about it, what what does funky butt loving mean? Good luck getting a little buzzed and re-saying this <laughs> to your friends. You're never, you're not even going to get funky so out. You're going to be wetting yourself. <laughs> And if you're young and don't know what we're talking about, rookie of the year, it happens pretty soon in the whole thing. You come for the great script. Yeah. Stay until this moment happens. It happens pretty quick, but it's one of uh, really the great moments in cinema. I feel it's one of our most accidental catchphrases that has happened in recent history because I can't think of another catchphrase <clears throat> among many that are nonsensical in this world that I just kind of go, 
that became a thing, right? Like, we all remember seeing that be something that people laughed profusely about. Well, you were doing, let's, I mean, we'll do, hold on for our next podcast. Yes. Uh, FBL, the story. Oh, God. You were doing commentary at Ultimate Matt Warrior, where the broadcast, which is on YouTube and linked, hopefully, in the description of this, if I was sober enough while broadcasting, Ultimate Matt Warrior, rough 185 pounders. The place looked, I loved the way it was set up. I dug the camera style, seemed like the crowd was jacked. How were the events? Give us your take. Tell people the insider on, uh, you know, toughest. Uh, did you have water? Did you have food? What were you doing back there for? Like, you know, hours? it was really nice. They did have two waters provided for me by the time I had already made it to the desk. Ooh, pros. Just professionals. It's the little things, and that's a little, great, huge, awesome thing. Absolutely. I was very pleased, and uh, the guys couldn't have been nicer. Uh, Richie Boogeyman Martinez is the gentleman who is behind it all. Like, they run such a fun event, and I'll start with the personal, which is very nice. So at ADCC 2017, I was interviewing Richie about the very first ultimate Matt warriors that he's putting together. And I was asking him questions about it. And there was a moment when I said, you know, who's doing the broadcast and I knew who was doing the broadcast. It was the ladies from all the Matt therapy podcast. And, uh, you know, as a joke, I said, well, who's, who's doing the broadcast on that? Who's doing the call? And he goes, Oh, it's going to be the girls from, uh, the, uh, Matt therapy podcast. And I was like, Nope. I had just given him like dap and I was like reverse taking it back. And there was a joke though that I thought was great, but he made it very real. And he said, Hey man, I've got this vision and I want to do a rotating set of commentators, give new people chances all the time. And I had never pressed him for anything about it in future. I never asked him about it again. I would just go cover it if I could. And uh, I think the last one uh, recently, I wasn't able to attend in person, but I sent him a note and was like, dude, we're going to interview whoever won. And Austin ended up winning it. So I was very pleased. However, he reached out to me and he was good to his word, dude. He was like, yo, dude, I want you to do the commentary and his own words. It's like, yeah, man. So, you know, it's all about love and we're going to do this and dog. Like, I want you to just do your thing, man. Just like get out there and just, you know, be you. That's it. You know? And it was amazing. The 185ers that they put together on this card were really solid. I was very pleased about that. So um, there were some great super fights. Shout out to my friend Mike John. Uh, and shout out to our good friends. Like I said, I've already previewed this. Ryan LaBella and J.J. Wilson, who not only have a great match, but maybe, maybe, Kevin, I don't want to give too much away on here, maybe the video game series became an important element of breaking a tie. And I guess that's all I'm going to say. That's amazing. Good teaser for the segment that, uh, that you described and people are going to be, you know, doing what they love the most, playing some video games. Second most is grappling. That's a ton of pressure in terms of, you never know if a new grappling match is going to break out. If the mm -hmm. right amount of juice pumps out of it. And, Sounds like they were able to balance a gentleman's accord, which is nice. Well, I want to, you know, the use of gentleman is usually just like, good day, sir. Yes, I will. I will take the on in a match. This was two dorks <laughs> who, when I asked them, hey, Love dorks, they're so sweet. Yes. But when I asked them to, like, good say marks. some shit against against each other, it's like, hey, what do you have to say against this guy? JJ looks at him and just goes. Yeah, you're going to die, dude. And he can't even keep a straight face. And they both start laughing at each other. I go, this is what I asked for. This is what happens when you let these children try to talk shit to one another. And the fact that they couldn't keep a straight face uh, made me laugh pretty profusely. Let's talk some matches. First of all, let's give some credit. Uh, Kyle Chambers, always very fun to watch. Just a different human being. Could not say enough good things about him. I had high hopes for our good friend Dan Martinez, who ended up winning 
the whole thing, but uh, definitely put on just a massively good, good, good series of matches that night. Uh, Kevin Crane was talk of the town. We'll come back to that one in a minute. Uh, and of course, there was a little bit of heat over on Ryan Quinn, uh, who also had a pretty good day. Unfortunately, he did take an injury throughout the tournament, and we wish him the best. Um, Kev, just from the very little that you looked at it, what did you see from what you saw? Oh, I don't know fighters' names, sadly. Mm. I was scrolling through and doing some uh, judgment on all the things, not the fights, kind mm. of trying to get the scene and scenario. But what I saw was some uh, good no gi exchange and some short shorts, if I if I could be so bold. Some of them, yeah. Saw some Kevin Crane. Yep. Saw some Tenth Planet. Saw some people doing a lot of inverted attacks and presumably, I'm going to guess a majority of the fights, especially in tournament mode, finished via leg attack. Yes, um, you know it's to be expected. Leg attacks are still. Uh, a very, very prominent presence in a number of no-gi big tournament settings. Um, they also can be the subject of some controversy. So let's go into it. Um, it's just got to have Kevin Crane in it. it Before does. you it even, controversy-wise, yeah. you can hear the train of controversy going on outside my <laughs> outside my back door. I can feel it. Uh, it's strange, dude. Um, I know Kevin. I've interviewed him before. He's been very nice to me. And, you know, there's some oddness that still happens. You, Kevin mentioned you can't mention his name without some sort of controversy. I will invite some of you who do know a little bit more about his personal life. If you'd like to go and talk about that somewhere, you're more than welcome to. I don't feel we're equipped to doing that for a number of reasons. But the main one of which is... Uh, slander and libel are very interesting things, but there are things that you can read online, and I'm sure many of you feel a certain way that you want to express things. But we're going to keep it just strictly to what did transpire on the mats, because... But watch Mindhunter, the Netflix series, and get into <laughs> some of his article quotations. <laughs> You'll find yourself. So I will say this. It's interesting because he's a very, very powerful human being. Just in terms of his style... He's got a really, really good pressure system that's also complemented by his ability to play like a little man's game. Like he's very nimble, very quick at how he works. And because of that energy and that explosiveness, you know, he can take a match from zero to 100 very quickly. And when he was winning, there was just a moment of kind of silence each time because – he would do it in a way that I think the crowd was just nervous. Like, is the other guy okay? And the first match with Werther, who's a game competitor, and they had a fun match. Uh, he beats him. We move on to the next match. Micah Brakefield, uh, I think, probably watched the match over with Werther Marcialis and said, okay, I got to be weary. I mean, dude's powerful, probably knows that. But, you know, there's a thing that happens when you're in a tournament setting that you got to be more aware. You become hyper aware of it, if you would. And Micah gets into a reverse donkey guard. And because he has this long set of legs, Kevin was able to just grab one of the feet and almost turn it into a toll that just looks devastating. And again, powerful, going from zero to 100 very quickly. Now's where things get a little, a little murky. Kevin Crane versus Ryan Quinn on paper is already a good match. Ryan Quinn is a Danaher black belt. Um, so he's not a slouch at understanding a lot of the mechanisms or systems that have led a number of people to really, really impressive areas. What does get a little confusing is in the studio, it did look like Ryan was verbal tapping. I do not know if Kevin could feel a tap, but because there was such explosiveness in his submissions throughout the night, there was an element of, is that guy Okay. Some people commented on the internet as to say, well, it didn't look like he cared. Some people on the internet say, do you have to? Uh, you know, it's one of the nice parts of our sport is you are probably going to go up against somebody who equally wants to break you as well. But when it's all said and done, 
it seems like our sport likes to have a humane or humanity aspect of like, oh man, I'm so sorry I broke your leg. Oh, are you okay? <clears throat> that didn't really seem to exist. So you got Kevin who I from some accounts, because again, it was very confusing. If you listen to the broadcast, you hear me and Donna looking over and going like, we got to let this thing breathe because let's see if Ryan's okay. And we were trying to get that. Um, it did look like he did verbally tap. And, and it did look, though, that when Kevin did get the opportunity or was given a tap on this body or so, he did release. Um, Ryan Quinn has said as much online as you know, he's been very quiet about it and probably because he just respects the tournament play or just competing in general. But he just said he's like, that video does not do it justice. So take that for whatever you will and however you interpret it. I will say this. It was an odd scene, to say the least. And it sucked the air out of the room. My interpretation, what happens next is Kevin Crane actually comes over to me at the commentary desk. And in years past, we've done a very, like, friendly, uh, you know, like, hey, here's kind of like joking about pro wrestling. And I think he comes over and he's telling me, he's like, hey, Raf, can you address the haters? And I don't have a problem talking to him, but he was doing it in the middle of another match. And I was like, hey, you goof. I'm in the middle of talking about another match. I'm not going to talk to you while this match is going on. And then we went to the finals, Kev. And I'll just describe for you what I saw. Understand how commentary? Never mind. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, Let's I take think... a selfie. No, I'm fucking busy here. <laughs> I will say this. I think because of how odd everything played out was there is an element of we don't really know what to do none of us know what to do you know he even including him he's just kind of like he's joking with me and i'm like i mean dude i don't mind joking uh in general but this is this is a weird situation in terms of there are people competing right now and if somebody's going to watch their match a little bit later or people were coming in to tune in for them i don't want to be disrespectful to them so i hope you understand that. and i think he knows that so then when we got to the finals, it was a lot of people getting behind Dan Martinez. I have an interview with Dan Martinez that's going to go up tomorrow, but Dan Martinez would probably be the first person to tell you, hey, um, fun story. Didn't think these people would like me. I was coming into enemy territory for 10th Planet people, and you can never tell if they're your friends or not. He goes... But by the end of that night, that crowd loved me. And I was like, yeah. And he yeah. goes, dude, I've Kevin never Crane has the ability to become a villain in 10 seconds. Well, I mean, Kevin Crane, to a number of different extents, uh, you know, again, as a pro wrestling fan himself, he knows that. And I mean, even when he was joking with me on air, he was kind of like, hey, man, you know, I'm going to come over and Stone Cold Sun you. And like, he's coming over and he's being playful about it. I mean, to a certain degree, he's embracing the heel sort of role throughout there. And all of a sudden, you see as the actual main event is going on, it's intense. And they get over to overtime. And when they get over to overtime, now the crowd is really, really getting into it. And they're loud, Kev. I had to take off my headset a few times just because of how loud they were cheering to the point where when we get to the third period of overtime and normally the crowd's a little bit waned out after three periods of overtime and a number of different events I've covered or commentated for EBI overtime rules, this crowd is electric. And Dan actually pulls in the last of his energy that he was conserving, knowing it was going to be a tough overtime series, especially with somebody as explosive as Kevin. And next thing you know, gets this face crank and starts pulling and pulling and pulling. And it's not even full of rear naked choke just yet, but uses all of his might to work on this face crank in that last period of overtime. With the last outs of energy he's got, gets the tap and then gets out in the next period. All right. That crowd did. So that was what I saw, Kev. What, do you have anything that you saw from your side <clears throat> on any of that? Uh, doesn't look like Crane was very remorseful as he, as he potentially hurt his opponent. 
that's the other thing. Like, it's one thing if you do pop somebody, usually you want to give them a little, oh, shit, sorry, if you did. Not it. Some zero remorse. Otherwise, that sounds pretty badass. I always like the EBI format, and I love that this tournament's just on YouTube. It makes life a lot easier. Props to the ultimate Matt Warrior. I was saying this up. Their website rocks. It's just really nice. Super easy to track. Good commentary and great venue work. I'm impressed. It is one of the funnest events to be at. So because there's been so much uh, heat, there's been so much talk about it, people are now carrying on those conversations. And it's interesting because sometimes I don't even know how this happens. But if you look at some of the conversations people are having about it, they're also infighting amongst themselves. And it's it's absurd. Um, But I can tell you from this, which is that's not a spoken rule for athletes in terms of having an investment toward one another, but it is probably something that athletes should be more aware of. I mean, if we're looking at the teaching moment from all of this, it's definitely one that noticing that crowd turn. And I think it was one of the few times that that crowd might've gotten to the fighter. I don't know. I don't know personally if Kevin even was phased by it, but it was definitely one where when it did happen, he did have an element of surprise. The second learning lesson that I do want to say, and I apologize if I maybe couldn't have expressed it better on air, but Kevin started spitting at one point on the mats when he had Dan Martinez as a backpack in the overtime rounds. And I got to tell you, Kev, I don't think I've ever broken like that on air. Because when you see a person holding up another person and at the same time <laughs> spitting at the mats and having the time to just kind of like expouse it there, I, I think he was bleeding at the time. So I understand that's a weird place to be. I couldn't stop laughing because I was like, Jesus Christ, what a scene that this person is spitting on the mats. Because all I could think of was I go gross, by the way, right. Super gross. But then that's as if there wasn't enough puddle of sweat on the mats to begin with. And the joke I was trying to get out, and I don't even know if I got it out, was I was like, you know, Kevin Crane wanted to contribute a little bit more water to the mats and just decided to go ahead and start spitting. I think that's the phraseology I had come with in my head. But it did not find its way out because I think it was at a giggle fit of like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> so teaching moment here, please don't spit on the mats because it makes all of us feel a little gross. And granted, jujitsu is already a gross event to begin with. I get it, kids. And I get it. You athletes, you're fine. I know you guys have to endure a lot of things. But. Those of us on the commentary deck on that one can't look at it with a straight face without saying, please don't, (laughs) among other things. So anyway, those are the things that I thought were important to talk about. Um, It was just, it was weird, but I will say the benefactor in all of this is one Dan Martinez. Again, I have an interview with him that will be up on tomorrow or today's, depending on when you listen to it. podcast over on grappling hour and dan martinez like i said it's been very fun to watch him do his thing he's a he's been under the radar for i think a number of different matches even though he's been on like combat jiu-jitsu before the dude is a really really stellar stellar uh person who competes uh so if you don't know now you know but this dude super cool and i think it's kind of cool that he got to reap the benefit of winning the crowd so that's the report from live over at Ultimate Matt Warriors. In case you're wondering why, if you see a clip of me not saying a ton of things, it is definitely because I was looking at another human being and being like, yo, Ryan, you okay, dog? Like, no one, like, I've got a bad angle and I can't even see it. And then even sitting there and going like, well, I think we can all agree this is odd. Maybe we should talk about just the aspect of the sportsmanship of it because could be better. We usually don't get the UFC commentary seats. It's a slightly different setup usually. And even if we do, 
like part of me wishes because we're on a live broadcast and we don't have commercial breaks. That's normally when Fox cuts to a commercial break with us. We don't have the sad Fox music to be like, we're talking about. It's just me going like, well, I guess the audience is waiting to hear if I know if anything's all right, but I just saw a person that's not really moving too much. So give me a sec here, people. Um, but everybody was very nice about it. I mean, we definitely got a lot of uh, very sweet notes from people throughout the telecast. We got a lot of dumb notes, too. It was a beautiful part about uh, the chat. You get a, a nice mix of all forms of fans. You get smart fans, super dumb fans. Um, and then the people were even dumber than that. But, like, for the most part, everybody was, like, in a game and really enjoyed it and brought the commentary to a nice level of – uh, being included in the actual show just by adding their comments. So it's one of the things I love to do. But to those of you who write really, really trolly comments, I mean, you're just not even funny. If you're going to make fun of us, at least be funny, because those ones I'll read. And I think that'll do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Yeah, good night, good fight. I'm going to go sleep now. Bye. Yay. Please note, the new number is...